1: And good evening to you wherever you may be, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Great to have you on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, along with us. And unfortunately, this week, Elaine, mm. our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mister Owl, not with us. Yes. But we'll uh, we'll pray that he uh, he heals well. A special welcome to all of you joining us internationally as well. It's always fun to see those. New cities pop up on the uh, report that yes. we get every week, and some of them we can't pronounce. But we sure enjoy having you with us. <laughs> yes. Where are you be in Europe or around the world, and uh, in Canada, a few mm. new listeners there. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, and today, we're also going to be uh, looking at both domestic and internationally a wonderful ministry, LifeWind, mm. uh, based here in the Modesto area. Before we do, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs.
2: What will Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about another Real Life Jesus freak. Born into a communist Cuban home in 1985, Rosa lived under the strict atheism of parents loyal to Fidel Castro. But her great-grandmother secretly shared God's love with Rosa. And the seeds of faith planted by the old woman, cultivated through prayer, came to harvest when Rosa received Christ just a few years ago. At boarding school, she was the only Christian. So Rosa did the same thing her great-grandmother did. She shared the gospel. And now she has three Christian friends she meets with in secret. Did you ever wish for more Christian friends? Maybe, like Rosa, you can make some yourself.
3: Jesus Freaks Radio is brought to you by DC Talk, the voice of the martyrs, and this station.
1: For more, go to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse. Isn't that a cool story? It is. Here on Lighthouse Live. and And how many grandmas do we hear... You know, constantly you just hear stories about the grandmas who stay on their knees, sometimes decades. You know, for the grandchildren, and uh, and those seeds, you know, just get planted over years and years and years and years. But how important it is for the family members to stay on their knees and be inter- right. inter- interceding for their. Uh, family members. Amen, amen to that. Even in Cuba, That's right. under uh, Fidel Castro's mm-hmm. regime, you know, the, the gospel burns brightly. Amen. Well, let's check in domestic side now with our friends at Pacific Justice Institute.
2: It's time for The
3: Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute,
1: Brad Dacus. Pacific Justice Institute is filing suit for a California couple in Placer County. You see, they added the clarifying and religiously meaningful terms bride and groom when filling out their marriage license. Six weeks later, they were informed that they were not legally married because those terms do not conform to the new state registration laws following the gay marriage ruling. Apparently, only, quote, party A and party B are acceptable references when entering the institution of marriage in California. Proposition 8 the marriage amendment measure must pass to end this lack of heterosexual accommodation once and for all. I'm Brad Dacus.
3: To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org.
1: You know, here at Advancing Vibrant Communities and Lighthouse Live Radio, we we stay away a lot from political stuff. But friends, you know... <laughs> I have never I've done a bunch of weddings over the year mm-hmm. years I have never married a party A and party B I mean it's just
0: <laughs> Sounds kind of weird They were Music. like
1: a man and a woman <laughs> and bride and groom there and you go. Uh, you know, anyway, stay on your knees and vote. Please. Yes, stay on your knees and vote. Be
0: on your vote. knees and vote at the moment. I mean polls. don't I'm vote
1: while voting. you're on your knees. That's kinda of hard to reach the thing, but I don't you know, know. Pray I, I think we should try to do before. that. You know? Absolutely. There we you go.
0: Betcha. It's time to take a look at the Volunteer Center of the United Ways lend a hand list. We can get out there and volunteer on our knees if we want to. You betcha. Day of hope uh is happening at uh Uh, Saturday, October 11th at the car wash. This is taking place in Turlock, uh, volunteers are needed to help wash cars. And I don't know about you, but after this last rain, mine mm-hmm. was dirty. Uh, you can help wash cars, detail cars. It's all to help needy families. Groups are welcome. Uh, refreshments provided for the volunteers. they Flex try to solutions. wash
1: my car, they'll need therapy from Dr. <laughs> Him and I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah, that could yeah, be, be a traumatic can experience. That happen, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, 9.30 in the morning till 7.30 in the evening. Monetary and non-perishable food donations are greatly appreciated. And those... Items can be dropped off when you get your car washed. A Day of Hope is a program of the CSU Stanislaw Foundation that distributes baskets of food and turkeys to families in need at Thanksgiving. And do you realize how, oh, so close that, Isn't really that is? not that amazing? Oh, my goodness.
1: You know, just to be kind of carnal here for a minute. Okay. <laughs> remember the old show WKRP in Cincinnati? I do.
0: I remember that. Do you guys do remember you, that? I yeah. do. Yes. Do you yes. remember
1: that program where Yes, the, the big thing about they were dropping the frozen turkeys at Thanksgiving, I that well. and people were getting injured. And isn't that weird how stuff comes it's up like that? Over, just you kind
0: of remember of those kinds of in things. in your mind. You've got the really important yeah. Stuff, yeah,
1: were you trying to go somewhere? I will with that? eventually Far get more there. More the Faith
0: and Action Program of Oak Valley Hospital District is having their eighth annual tea in the afternoon. I know this really excites you, Pastor Mike. But anyway, this luncheon is going to be held on Saturday, October 11th. At the Gladys Lemons Senior Center, that's in Oakdale, noon is when it takes place. Uh, Volunteer hostesses are invited to decorate a table. Uh, Additional volunteers ages 15 years and older are also needed to help out with the setup, serving refreshments, cleanup, um, and all the proceeds go to benefit caregiver programs. Very important what this is all about. Attendees <laughs> will be treated to a visually delightful, entertaining, and scrumptious luncheon a dessert, a tea while raising money to support program services. A faith in action program helps the aging maintain their independence by providing respite care, mm. friendly visits, and assistance with chores and activities. Very worthwhile thing. Amen. And we encourage our ABC volunteers to consider becoming a pin spotter, yes, for the Modesto Blind Bowlers, a league of vision-impaired bowlers. Uh, It's They're volunteers, age 15 years and older. It's where they advise the bowlers of the number and order of pins left standing after each throw, and they keep track uh, of the game score. The league meets on Saturdays through the end of April, so it's going for a while. Uh, It goes from 11.30 until 1.30, and it takes place at the McHenry Bowl in Modesto. Training is provided, and if you want more information, you just ask Pastor Mike, he knows all about this kind of stuff. (laughs) I keep telling Marty to
1: quit throwing me down the alley, but he just, Marty Lampster. If you
0: want any more information about any of these items uh, to volunteer, you can ask Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her at bborba at org. And closer to home here at... uh, AVC. We need volunteers to partner with us prayerfully and financially. That's right, to continue God's ministry and making these connections and meeting uh, some of these needs. And uh, we don't often say that, but today we are. And uh, so we hope that you will uh, consider that. You know, I got a phone call today, Mike. That was just really, uh, really a cool call. And I love uh, what I do here at AVC and making these connections and, and hearing about the needs that come in. A lady called from Cambria. And she was calling for a friend named Vi here in Modesto. And Vi happens to be 83 years old. Mm. And Vi needs what she called uh, a lady's recliner chair. And I said, well, explain to me what a lady's recliner chair is as opposed to a man's recliner. She said, well, simply, it's just a smaller chair. And she needs it because she needs to elevate her legs because she has a condition uh, where her legs need to be elevated because of a, a condition that causes uh, sores and, and things, uh, you know, for medical reasons. And so that's what she needs is a chair of that sort. So I'm telling you, our listeners, wherever you may happen to be, that if you have a chair of that type to donate, if you could give us a call. Uh, and if you feel like donating a chair for this precious woman because of her condition, that's what she needs, then you give us a call, and we will make that connection happen for this uh, for this woman. And you can call us at 209-544-9571, and we'll make sure to make that connection. And that's just a wonderful thing. That's one of the ways that we can help someone in need. Isn't that, that great?
1: Amen. And also, uh, those of you who are skilled tradesmen or tradeswomen, we need you very, very much. Uh, Our 70-something Energizer bunny, uh, John, can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need folks that uh, are very skilled in the trades to help us out. A lot of elderly people in our community have been abandoned by their families and can't afford, uh, especially now um, on limited incomes, to uh, hire many home repairs to be done and that sort of thing. And they they desperately need your help, especially if you know how to install grab bars properly. I mean, we need to know how to how to uh, sink them into the uh, bathroom tile without cracking the tile. I mean, there's an art form to this. If you can help us with that, we'd sure appreciate it. Again, our number, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Or you can check our website at www.vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org. And click the little red flashy thing, and it'll take you right to the Daily Update page. Can
0: I get a little plug about where we're going to be this coming Friday? Yes, absolutely. Before we get into this. Friday, the uh, 6th Annual Healthy Aging Summit is going to take place uh, downtown at the Modesto Doubletree Inn, and we will be there uh, along with lots of other folks. So hope that you will join us Friday, October 10th at the Modesto Center Plaza, and that's at 9th and K Streets in downtown Modesto starting at 8 in the morning. So we hope to see you there. Well, tonight is a first time on Lighthouse Live for our guest and uh, Dr. Robert Paul, President of LifeWind International, and his lovely wife Susan Paul. Join us, and we are thrilled that you guys are here thank you
4: oh it's for great to be here oh, thank great you for carving
0: out the here. time to be with us and i just uh, i don't know where to begin except one of the the burning questions on my mind is uh, i'd like to hear about your your pre-life before modesto <laughs> If you would would just share with our listeners maybe about your life before coming to Modesto a little bit, and then we can just take it from there.
4: Well, thank you. I uh, served as a pastor for most of 30 years before becoming the president of LifeWind International just uh, three years ago. And so that uh, brought us to Modesto. This is where the home offices of that organization have been ever since it was founded in 1980. But our work uh, extends actually around the world. We're involved with... uh, uh, bringing uh, the gospel of Christ in all of its dimensions to impoverished communities mm-hmm. around the world. Our work extends to over 70 countries at this point. And I bet and you can and,
0: pronounce every one of them, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you,
4: you give me a list and I'll pronounce them for you. You I can teach know. us, Bob. I don't know whether to do the right pronunciation, but I'll give you some pronunciation. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so we're delighted to be here. It's uh, We've always had a real heart for uh, the Lord's mission around the world, mm-hmm. and this particular position, and this organization gave us a chance to to live that out and to contribute uh, to his mission in some new ways, and so we're delighted to be here.
1: I think one of the great blessings that you've brought to the world community is the CHE program, uh, Community Health Evangelism. J- just talk briefly about what CHE is and, and what it's doing around the world?
4: Well, what we call CHE, C-H-E, or Community Health Evangelism, is very simply it's a It's a strategy that was hammered out by a practical experience uh, to fulfill everything that Jesus commands. And what we mean by that is both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And so uh, community health evangelism is a strategy that uh, we use. In fact, our organization has been the principal developer of it through the years. But it's been proven so successful in so many parts of the world that there are now hundreds, literally, of uh, missionaries and other mission organizations that have also embraced the CHE Uh, approach or the chase strategy. But it's about a a holistic approach, Uh, Mm -hmm. the whole gospel for the whole person, the whole community. And so it's very much about sharing the gospel of Christ and making disciples. That would be obeying the great commandment. And it's also about obeying the great I mean, excuse me, that's the Great Commission. It's also about obeying the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And that extends to all the practical things that impoverished communities need, whether it's clean water or whether it's better sanitation or disease prevention, better agricultural practices, all of the things that that really diminish human life under extreme poverty. The Chase strategy is a, is designed in such a way that the gospel of Christ is shared and the practical actions that are necessary to really improve all of life in a community are shared at exactly the same time. So it's all wrapped together as a whole package.
1: Well, I think one of the benefits as well is is those people who are being trained uh, are using the resources they have available. Precisely. You know, we're not flying in, you know, C-130s or 141s and drop. You know, they're, they're learning to use the uh, assets that they have available to them locally locally. And um, learning how to, while getting in, fed with the gospel, you know how to leverage the assets that they have right there in their own geographical area to be able to have clean water and and uh, uh, even uh, uh, deal with biological hazards and that. That's just a what wonderful, a concept. wonderful concept.
4: Well, the whole idea is is based on some foundational principles, and one of those is the idea of sustainability. How do you do something in a community that doesn't depend forever? on stuff being brought in from outside. Uh, in which case really, have you really done people a favor to make them simply dependent on things that they, that they either can't do for themselves or that require outside assistance? Far better and actually far more effective to work with the people in a community to develop their own skills and capabilities to help them see possibilities that maybe they weren't able to recognize themselves to come up with solutions that can be, uh, implemented using locally available resources, and more importantly than that, the local talent, the human resource that's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all about wanting to provide aid to people in great need, but to do it in a way that recognizes their God-given dignity as yes. human beings and their God-given capabilities. So important, isn't it? You're right. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. How many people, Bob, serve in any one given area within the Life w- LifeWend um program or well or and if you if
4: you broke it down this way, i could I would say in these terms, if you take the number of people that are in one way or another on on what you could call our staff, that is they have a direct connection to lifewind and they 're receiving some kind of funding from us uh, in order to do their ministry, that number around the world is around four hundred people okay. but one of the keys to the strategy that we employ is the training and the in- equipping of local volunteer leaders. Uh-huh. And so if you take the local volunteer leaders that are directly involved in this ministry, all of a sudden that number uh, just multiplies out to where it's probably between. We, we can't count them for sure, but we think that 15,000 is a low number. 20,000 is maybe slightly on the high side. So somewhere between fifteen to 20,000 would be the, the uh, involvement of active community volunteers, that are in training, that are really taking leadership in their communities. If then you extend it out to the population that is impacted by this ministry, the number of communities or villages times the average number of people who live in those communities, we think the impacted number of people is easily 2 million, Mm. could, uh, could quite easily be as many as 3 million. Again, it gets a little hard to count them exactly, you can understand. But we think that somewhere between 2 and 3 million is a realistic estimate of the numbers of people that are directly touched and impacted uh, by this ministry. So, from 400 staff to 15 to 20,000 trained community volunteers to a population impacted of somewhere north of 2 million is uh, kind of how we would quantify it.
1: Jesus started with 12 guys, didn't he? I mean, uh, God has a way of just leveraging.
4: <laughs> yeah, he did. He started with 12 guys and there's a good uh, good uh, representation of the women and they're in the New Testament as well uh, yeah, playing yeah. a key yeah. role. So, One of the great things about this ministry, and it really relates uh, to the project that we wanted to talk about today, is that it's an interesting feature of this community in impoverished uh, villages, communities around the world, that that, uh, it is actually the women in those villages who oftentimes play a critical role in the process of implementing the changes that save lives, that produce uh, more agriculture. And that really lead to transformations in the community now i would ha- I would hasten to add it's not exclusively women; it's a men and women. But in many of the most impoverished parts of the world for for a variety of reasons, um, oftentimes it ends up that the the real burden of change in the community is the burden of raising the children the burden of a lot of the agricultural work, the burden of the day-to-day chores of getting the water and making the food, and on and on and on it goes. Creating businesses. Creating businesses. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's the women who end up bearing a disproportionate uh, part of that workload. And so they become, in our programs, oftentimes really key leaders in bringing about change and really bringing about a witness to the gospel in those communities.
0: You are so right. And you're a wife is a key leader. Susan, I remember the first time... (laughs) Uh Every time we get together, it's always exciting. You want to move in real close there. The the first time that we met, it was uh, all surrounding the Global Day of Prayer. And it was so exciting because you were organizing, you were getting (laughs) this thing together. And now, now you are getting together a very exciting event, October 25th. Is that
3: correct? Actually, the 15th through the 25th. Tell Mm -hmm. us
0: what you are doing, dear friend.
3: (laughs) Okay, uh, I'm coordinating as a volunteer. Volunteer for LifeWind, an event called Beauty for Ashes, a fine art auction Mm -hmm. to benefit women overcoming poverty. And we are very excited because we have 12 featured artists. I would love to be able to share just the names of a few of them. Please do. We've got Brad Hahn, who is president of our of our um, Central California Arts Council, and also on our city council, and a wonderful leader in the community. We've got Scott Erickson coming from Seattle who has a project called Transpire Project to make art a part of the public venue again. Mm -hmm. And he's going to come and do a live mural at our live auction on the 25th.
1: And what does that mean, a live mural?
3: Well, he's going to create a mural while we have a little program at the Chartreuse Muse on Sunday evening from 5 to 8 p.m.
4: So he'll be be working as as we're there. Well, the whole Beauty for Ashes theme of this auction comes out of Isaiah chapter 61, where he talks about um, the work that the Lord will do in the lives of of the poor, especially it's that Mm. part of that good news to the poor passage. Mm. One of the phrases that's used in there is that when the Lord comes into people's lives, he's going to bestow a crown of beauty in place of the ashes of mourning and despair. And we thought that that was such a fitting symbol, particularly to typify uh, the, the dignity and the beauty that you can observe in the lives of these women around the world that we mentioned who are overcoming extreme circumstances. And when the Lord enters into their lives, he, he imparts to them a kind of a beauty that comes from his grace. So as we talk about that scripture and about the theme, then Scott Erickson, uh, our good friend, this artist from Seattle, is going to be depicting that in a mural yeah. form as a live part of the uh, event on that evening. yeah, Yeah.
3: We're hoping that's going to help draw out the public because we want people to know that this um, auction is both an online auction, the 15th through the 22nd of October, excuse me, the 21st, 15th through the 21st of October, and then there will also be the local auction here in Modesto happening from the 22nd to the 25th. But we want people to understand that even though it's a fine art auction and we certainly want collectors to come out, and purchase this wonderful art. Um, We also have something for people who can only spend a few dollars but want to do something to help women overcoming poverty. And we are hoping people will come out for our Mm -hmm. cause. Mm -hmm.
2: People
4: can find the online portion of the auction starting on October 15th just by going to our website. It's at lifewind.org. And uh, if they go there, they'll find information about it. They can read about the artists. And then from there, go into a place where it's uh, actually got online bidding, just like eBay. Mm. So,
0: lifewind.org.
4: lifewind.org. So,
0: people right now listening at these other countries who yeah. can't be here right. at the Chartreuse Muse Gallery. Right. On 10th right. Street, I believe. Yeah. Ten- yes, on 10th, 10th Street. 918 10th Street. Exactly. But are you impressed? That I am very
1: impressed by <laughs> yeah. that.
0: 918 10th Street in Modesto. John's even impressed. I'm the directionally challenged one. (laughs) And I'm from here. Okay. I know. We're moving on. We're moving on. Yeah, I want to
3: share with you a couple more of the artists just because you'll be interested. Miriam Gomez, who is the wife of our regional coordinator of our Central America, Mesoamerican. region of the world is not only one of our featured artists, she also has shared her personal story and all of the artists are creating new works of art or donating um, an already created work of art based on the story of one of the women who has already been empowered by our ministry around the world. We have 24 women in different parts of the world who have shared their personal stories with us and Miriam Gomez from um, Guatemala is one of them and she's also one of our featured artists. And then I also want to highlight both um, Sandy Veneman and Ellen Rohn, who are co-owners of the Chartreuse Muse. They also are creating some of their beautiful clay work um, from Inspiration of Stories. And then also Megan Prince, an emerging award-winning artist from New York, who is a girl who who grew up in the church we last served before we came here, uh, is sending work from New York City. And uh, we're real excited to promote her and several other artists mm-hmm. that we're bringing into the community uh, to introduce to the wonderful
0: arts community here in Modesto. Awesome. So. Awesome. So there's going to be lots to choose from, lots Absolutely. to see, lots to be blessed by. Yes. Yeah,
4: and, and um, I think that the, uh, one of the most interesting parts of this whole um, project as it has developed has been the responsiveness of the artists themselves. And uh, as uh, Susan has gone out and shared these stories, real stories of real women, and uh, what God has done in their lives, and the terrible circumstances that they they have come through, how they've risen to that, how they've overcome it, how they are overcoming it uh, through His His Spirit and His power, uh, it touches the heart in such a way that uh, many of the artists have said, "I would absolutely love to be involved in this uh, because I just believe in the cause. I believe in what you're doing." And it's been very gratifying. Uh, to see that kind of response. At the same time, you know, artists are gifted people. You and they, uh, they oftentimes have the sense that, that God has given them a gift uh, that they express through their art, and they uh, they don't often get opportunities uh, to share that gift in a way that connects it mm. uh, so clearly with the needs that other people have. And so this connection between women that ha- have great need are overcoming poverty, artists who have great gifts to share, All of that comes together in this uh, Beauty for Art Fine Art auction. And all we're looking for is people uh, out there in the uh, Internet world and here in Modesto who'd like to participate in supporting the cause eh, either through the online auction or through the events that will be happening here uh, locally.
0: I love the name, Beauty for Ashes.
3: Yeah, I think we'll that's keep the name and and use it again. <laughs> uh, Gail perfect. Peterson, another one of our artists, told me that uh, just to to hike on what Bob was just saying, she told me how much it meant to her to be um, asked to participate, and to be able to do something that was about an actual story of a real person that that had more meaning than just doing landscapes of boats or uh, mountains. That that she loves doing those things, and she's a wonderful watercolor artist, but she really appreciated the opportunity to do something so meaningful, and that's the kind of response we've had from all of our artists. Dan Peterson is involved, Mm. Deanna Nelson from Shafter, who's an award-winning artist um, in oils and watercolor and acrylics, and also I want to highlight uh, Stephanie Tumney, a fairly new and emerging artist from the Bay Area who's coming over with some of the most fabulous bronze sculptures Mm. of people in... um, Positions of Prayer, From Agony to Ecstasy, Mm. and they're called the Out of the Depths series, and I really want people who love bronzes to come out and take a look at these because they are special, and I am really thrilled to introduce Stephanie to this community. This is
0: going to be exciting.
3: Yes, we're really excited about it, and uh, I think that... um, Your support in letting us share about it over the airwaves is really exciting because uh, when we got this online opportunity, which we'd been looking for, and through, what is it, outreach um, online?
4: Uh, It's through uh, Ready, Set, Auction. Ready, Set, uh, Auction online. Yeah, Yeah. it's a great uh, company that we uh, discovered along the way, and they they have one product, and their product is a web-based software that is designed for nonprofit organizations doing auctions Hmm. as fundraisers. So well, it's yeah. uh, it's perfect for us, and I love to give them a little acknowledgement along the way too. They've well, been very helpful. And This
1: is a fascinating yeah. concept. As people go online, what what are they going to see? how How does it, how does that work?
4: Well, they'll they'll see two things, uh, and I would hasten to add that they won't see it today. Uh, they'll see it starting on, on October fifteenth. Right, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> we're we're still building it, and it's going to be there on the fifteenth. But uh, uh, on our own uh, lifewind.org dot org website, uh, they're going to find information about the artists themselves and the women whose stories uh, Susan was talking about earlier. And so on our own website, they'll find the biographies of the artists. They'll find the stories of the women that uh, have served as a point of inspiration. A
3: few representative stories.
4: A few representative stories. Yeah. They'll, uh, <laughs> they'll have some statements from the artists uh, about uh, what they've done and, and what it meant to them to participate in this. And then it'll be linked directly from there. You can go directly into the online auction site, which is being facilitated by Ready, Set, Auction. And it functions very much like eBay. Anybody hmm. who's ever done anything eBay will be quite familiar with hmm. uh, with how this works. And there you'll be able to see the actual um, art objects, the items, the paintings, the prints, the sculptures, the woven things, the glasswork, the pottery, all of the different kinds of items that the artists are donating to the auction. Uh, those will be shown there. There will be pictures of them. There will be a little bit of information there about the artist, about the object, what it is some estimation of its uh, fair market value, what the starting bid would be, and so on and so forth. And then, best of all, you can actually buy them. You can <laughs> bid for those things. <laughs> That's and, the best uh, you part can, of you all. you can watch the progress. And uh, then if, if you're the highest bidder at the end of the, the whole auction, it ends on October 25th uh, for all of these items, whether online or locally here. And if you're the winning bidder, uh, then uh, you'll get it. And if you're out of town, we'll send it to you. <laughs> if it's a bronze, we'd love to have you come pick it up. Yeah, but, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we're really excited about it. I think there'll be, um, there's about 50 different artists participating. Isn't that right, honey? And-
3: yes, 53 right now. And I still have, as Brad Hahn said, um, hurting some of these artists is like hurting cats. So I still have about three out there that haven't gotten back to me for sure if they're participating. If they're listening, but, uh, we, we need yeah, their stuff. But, but uh, uh but, you know, we do have people like, um, uh, Yvette LaForce and, um, uh, Margaret Hudson out of Fresno and, uh, Nancy Fisher who does beautiful, um, mm-hmm. woven work, uh, Chela Gonzalez and, uh, Jim Christensen, uh, just some excellent, excellent artists that um, do beautiful, different kinds of work. And uh, if any metal artists are out there listening, I have tried five of you in our community, and everyone's been too busy. So I think metal art is really popular right are you now. Looking
0: for metal, but art?
3: we don't have that for this year. So for next year, I'm calling on metal artists because I really prayed for that, and that's the only only prayer I haven't had answered yet. Mm. But uh, we are very excited because we have so many artists who uh, love the Lord. Maybe a few who don't know the Lord, but they care about the cause. It does not matter. These artists have hearts of generosity because they understand that they can contribute this way to help women uh, have a hand up. Not a handout, but uh, a hand uh, up
0: to a better life, and they this, love it. I think this is awesome, Susan. God is going to use this beauty for ashes to, to get to these people. He's planting these seeds, and he's using you guys. Uh, to do that. This is awesome. We are going to have lots more with you uh, guys in just a moment. We look uh, around us and marvel at his handiwork, meaning God's, and give thanks for inspiring each one with creativity. And we must agree with David Band and Everything Glorious, and we'll be back with lots more on Lighthouse Live.
2: The day is brighter is lighter than its you would lead me to believe, which leads me to believe, you
0: Everything Glorious, that's a David Crowder band on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our very special guest from Life Wind International, Bob and Susan Paul.
1: And, uh, you know, appropriate song, isn't it? Oh, i Everything, so, yes. everything uh, yes. Glorious. And, and speaking of that, can you share maybe a, a story or two uh, about uh, those heroic women around the world that, that we're celebrating through this uh, event coming up?
4: I'd love to do that. There's one that comes to mind, Mike, because it's a place that uh, Susan and I have been to personally and we've met these women. And it, in many ways, in my mind, typifies the whole idea. This is a story about a woman named Doris and about a particular community that's in Kenya, the country of Kenya in Africa. Oftentimes, what happens in Africa is that these remote villages, which are off the road and down a very, very bumpy, unbelievably uh, bumpy uh, dirt road and and, uh I mean, very difficult places to find and, and to get to. Um, because the situation, there's so much uh, lack of what they need, the basics for life, that it's very tempting oftentimes for the men to leave the village, to go to the larger city in the idea that they can find a job, that they could find money. But oftentimes, tragically, they don't find a job. They don't find money. Instead, they find other things that aren't very helpful. Uh, they get... uh uh, they they may despair because they have a, are disappointed and they can't find work. Uh, they're, they're out of money themselves. Oftentimes this leads them into either uh, drinking or drugs, mm-hmm. which can be problematic, mm-hmm. or other kinds of vices. And unfortunately, tragically, what happens then sometimes is that when the, when the men come back to the village, if they come back at all, uh, they'll bring something back to the village that the village never had that the village doesn't want, which is the HIV-AIDS <sighs> virus. And so Doris is a woman who discovered along the way that, in fact, she was HIV-positive. But her whole attitude towards this, as she wrestled with the meaning of that, was not that she was a person dying of AIDS, but she was a person living with HIV Mm. and determined to live in a way that was overcoming and victorious and so forth. Well, there are other women within her village. Some of them may be HIV-positive and others are not. Uh, some of the, But many of them are widows uh, for one reason or another. Their husband may have uh, died of AIDS or, or may have simply disappeared and, and abandoned the family. Uh, and, of course, there are other men in the village as well. But these women decided to, through the, the CHE ministry we were talking about earlier, community mm-hmm. health evangelism, that rather than waiting for somebody to come in from the outside and rescue them, that they really needed to, to take ownership of the needs that they had and do something about it together. And uh, one of the needs they had was for better nutrition. They were able to, to discern that and understand that about their own children. Another need they had was for some source of income. How could we earn a little bit of money? And so through the training that our uh, staff brought to them, they got the idea that they might uh, start to raise fish in a fish pond <laughs> wow. uh, because it, can, it works very well in that <laughs> part of the world. And the only problem was that they didn't have a, didn't have a pond. <laughs> uh, so they, uh however, they did have uh, have water sources. There were some streams that ran through the village grounds and so forth. And so they, this group of women, decided that if they didn't have a pond, they could make a pond. There you go. Well, so they they set out this idea that they were going to build themselves a fish pond to raise <laughs> fish in. Well, you know what happened next? Uh, all of the naysayers got into the act, and Uh-oh. so they, you know, there were men in the community and some of the other women who said, "Well, you." You can't do that. You're only a group of women, and uh, you know it's never been done before, and it's a lot of work. And sounds like
1: church. Yeah, you know?
4: yeah. <laughs> it sounds like human nature, you know. And uh, so you know they had all the advisors oh, okay. around them telling them a thousand reasons why it couldn't and happen. They couldn't do it. Yeah. And they just decided to ignore that, and they said, "Well, you know, we we don't have any big machinery, but we've got shovels and we've got the hose that we work mm. with." out in the fields. We've got and, and we've got each other and we've got determination <laughs> and God will help us. And so they just started. Hmm. And so they started digging this fish pond. And, and when it became apparent that they were actually making progress, of course this happened over many days of hard work, then some other people began to say, well if they if they can get in there and work that hard, I, I guess I can get off the sidelines and I can jump in and I can help.
0: And you said they were praying.
4: Yeah. And so yes, the Susan. the community started to work together and they started and so yeah, sure the enough the women
3: in the church brought food and they sang and and sang while the people d- dug and Woo-hoo. So it, yeah. it became yeah. much more of a community project. But for about right. the first week and a half, it was just the women, just right. those 12 women. Yeah.
4: So they led the way. And if you go there today, you'll find that there is this fish pond. And it's got water flowing in one side and water flowing out the other. And, and the fish are in the pond, and they've, uh, they've learned what to feed the fish. And then an amazing thing takes place. You raise these fish, and when they get to a certain size, you harvest them. You get in the pond, and you net them. And you take the fish. Uh, you, some of the fish you keep to eat for food. And then the other fish, because they're raising a lot, you take them to market. And then a marvelous thing happens. Those fish become cows. Mm-hmm. Because if you sell enough fish and you make some money, you raise some more, you go sell some more fish, you raise some money, pretty soon you've got enough, you can buy a cow. And so what's been I happening... Think the
3: first cow went to the chief, too. Yeah, could be. I think so, yeah.
4: Anyway, what what begins to happen is that the community begins to develop... In a in a microscopic way, they begin to develop a local industry mm-hmm. and a little bit of a local economy, and they start to develop an income stream, and they've begun they found a way to start to lift themselves out of extreme poverty and to, to, to despair, and at the very heart of that group of women is this one woman, Doris, and here's <sighs> this woman who, if you looked at it from a human point of view, you would say, well, she has no hope, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she's got a fatal a uh, virus, disease, her, her time is limited.
0: Did you say how old Doris was? I? I'm sorry, I didn't...
4: I don't know for sure how Doris is, but I would guess that she's probably in her 30s okay. or no, no yeah, older than, 30s. than her is. 40s. Okay. Mm-hmm. But here's this woman who's just decided that because of who Christ is in her life, mm-hmm. because of her certainty of the, lo- the eternal life that mm-hmm. she has in him, She has taken the attitude of saying, I'm not going to let this disease defeat me. I'm not going to live in despair as a person who's dying. I'm going to live as a person who is living. I'm going to live with HIV as many years as God gives me. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to care for them. She's become a key leader spiritually and practically among these other widows in the community. And here they are leading the way in their own community to overcome the poverty of their circumstances by something as practical as a fish pond and a business where you can actually provide food for your children in your community and for others as well, and you can see the joy and the beauty in their faces. It's just a marvelous place I to visit. I love
0: this story. I just, just was wondering, as you were saying that, I would love to have seen their faces.
4: Well, you can see them because
3: yes, you can come and uh, come to the auction. Um, at the Chartreuse Muse, or go online at uh, www.lifewind.org, and you can see a picture of Doris mm. painted by Deanna Nelson from Shafter, who will be here as one of our featured artists. So you're and, telling uh, me this
0: painting is available? Absolutely. It's, it's
3: available to buy, and I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be a hot item because as people hear Doris's story... Um, they're going to be amazed. There's another part of this story, too, and I'll just say briefly. She, did a video, she gave a video of her personal story, and it actually starts before she knew the Lord and uh, when she found out that her husband had gone off to um, a large city and gotten AIDS and didn't want her didn't want to come home, and uh, she went to see him because she felt like some voice kept coming in her head saying, you've got to go see him.
0: Mm.
4: She
3: didn't know what this voice was, but she felt so compelled that she went to see him.
4: Went to look for him, and,
3: really. uh And he had an accident. Uh, before she actually got to him, she saw a car accident where a car hit a man and threw him over, and uh, he, he literally died right there at the car accident. Oh, um, and so she... Did not have a chance to really talk to her husband, but she came back. He was the man
4: who was
3: in the accident. He was the the one that was killed in the accident. She came back to her children and was so despairing um, because of hearing about his terrible life and the AIDS and the drinking and and everything else that had made him so despairing. And so she wanted to kill herself and her children and actually had made a potion to do this. And uh, in the dark of night... She lit a candle, and a huge wind suddenly came inside her closed hut. Then a huge light happened all around her hut and inside her hut, and she felt so blinded that she couldn't see her children, and so she put the potion down, and she said, "'What is this?' And she felt like the Lord said, "'You are not going to kill your children or yourself. You are going to live.'" And the the next morning, a, a neighbor was at the door saying, you've got to come to this Che lesson this morning. Mm. You're going to love it. Mm. And she came into the Che ministry, into working with LifeWind um, that next day. So, so, it's, so it's just, an I mean, I get goosebumps. It's just, it's just an incredible story of how God literally
4: chose her. Intervened in her life.
3: Intervened in her life in an amazing way. And we actually have a video um, where she shares that story.
1: So as people are uh, coming online uh, beginning October
4: 15
1: (laughs) to 21 or or live here in Modesto, the, the 22nd through the 25th, that's really what they're supporting is reaching uh, the Dorises of the world. Well, you know how it is.
4: You listen to the statistics on poverty and economics and all of this kind of thing, and after a while the numbers just don't seem to mean much. But what we're trying to do in many ways is to put the human face on this ministry that Mm -hmm. it really deserves to have. This isn't just about relieving poverty Mm -hmm. and lowering statistics Mm -hmm. and this kind of thing. This Mm -hmm. is about real people in real places and uh, Their real need. their lives real are uh, incredibly impoverished in many respects, and yet God is not absent from those communities and those places. He intervenes. He works miracles. He speaks to them. They get involved in a ministry that gives them the, the sense of hope and the practical skills to take it a step further and to dig the fish pond or to do whatever it needs to be done. And life in those communities really starts to change. Mm-hmm. The disease incidence goes down, the child mortality rate the survival rate goes up.
3: The interest in reading and writing becomes important mm-hmm. the
4: sense of the sense of a, uh, of a worth and dignity of the people themselves is enormously enhanced and so in all of those different ways, you start to see really a signs of the kingdom of God uh, becoming evident in the lives of those people in those communities. Those are the stories that have inspired this. This art and this uh, art auction, that's what people support when they're supporting LifeWind.
0: We are with LifeWind, and we've got lots more right after this.
1: Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet... Thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, Proven Effective, Advancing Vibrant Communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs.
3: The very first story that Mike told about ABC involved serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community and in that moment God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen and as I saw the setup of the database I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation it helps us be more effective
1: this organization comes along and says I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs and then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat
3: and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others.
1: AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in in, in Stanislaus County and and, uh, other counties in the state as as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of of life.
0: You know, some of us can donate a little
2: money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life.
1: we ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves.
2: Thank you
0: we thank you for listening to Lighthouse Live, wherever that may be. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Bob and Susan Paul. Susan, you were giving uh, thanks to all of those who will bar- be participating in this great Beauty for Ashes art auction coming up. And go ahead and just uh, share with us once again some of the others who will be there as well, if you would.
3: Thank you. As well as many um, award-winning artists, we have two featured artists that I haven't mentioned yet. One is um, Henrietta Sparkman, and she's done a wonderful photograph, lithograph called Home to represent the homeless people overseas, but also the homeless people here in light of all the foreclosures. um, She chose um, something from a story that inspired her to help us have a focus on home through her art, which is wonderful. And uh, another one that is a personal friend of ours since college days, um, Janet Rempel out of Auberry, has done a beautiful, beautiful large piece called Lantern Light, and it's based on the story of Miriam Gomez that I was telling you about earlier because Miriam had memorized um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path out of Psalm 119. Mm -hmm. So those will be some wonderful featured art that will be happening um, at the preview on the 24th, at the Muse and also at the live auction. And it will be available to see online. But I also wanted to mention Wally Carroll, Geordie Camps, and his daughter Maggie Camps, who when she found out that her her father was doing something for the art auction, he's the owner of Picasso's downtown, she said, can I join too, can I do something? Because she was excited. So we also have his daughter, Maggie Camps, doing something for the auction, and Georgia Herrick, who people will know. Um, Chuck Waldman has done an absolutely beautiful, beautiful oil painting and framed it gorgeously too. And uh, DeWitt Jones is a national known um, photographer with uh, National Geographic. And when I couldn't find a photographer who had a picture that would depict beauty growing out of ashes, I finally took my courage and uh, wrote to DeWitt, went onto his website and wrote an email to him and asked him if he might be willing to contribute a photo. And he sent me four and said, pick one.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) And so we
3: will have it. (laughs) At the silent auction, and uh, it's just exciting, the response, uh, both from people that we know and from some artists we don't know. Another artist who um, asked if she could join our auction, Um, I was in Italy for two weeks giving my mother a wonderful birthday trip, Mm. and I came back, and on my voicemail is a message from a girl I've never heard of named Yesenia Espana out of Stockton who asked if she could contribute something when she heard about the auction from some friends over a website that I had not gone in and, and advertised with. So the word is getting out there through the websites, uh, she asked if she could contribute something, and she's focusing on some of our um, oriental work through her art. And oh, nice. I am just excited about these artists because we have a number of people that uh, are being so generous that they have contacted us and said, can we participate? This is too good a thing to miss.
2: Oh, how Isn't wonderful. that exciting? That
3: is very
0: exciting. Yeah. And this is coming up this month, not too far away. No, it's very close now. And uh, it's happening right here in Modesto, but you don't have to be here to participate in this. We want you to That's understand exactly that. That's exactly right. That's
4: yeah. right. The online auction starts uh, just a little over a week from now, October 15th. Starts starts uh, that morning uh, Pacific Daylight Time. And uh, anybody around the world who's got an Internet connection uh, can participate in that way.
1: That's www.lifewind.org and from there they can navigate into where they can it?
4: navigate right into the online auction I kind of right. lost
1: count you've you've got a kind of a panoply of of different types of art with photographs oil paintings sculptures yes. water yeah. painting yes.
3: watercolor and glass art and um, fabric some... art woven art mm
4: mm-hmm. mhm uh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> a it. lot How of much, different kinds yeah, of art. Uh,
3: Lithographs and, and monoprints and um, Giclee prints, which is, if you haven't heard of Giclee, I just learned about it in uh, getting this thing organized. Uh, Giclee process, it comes out of France, and basically they take a picture on a computer and then spray the colors that the computer reads onto high-quality acid-free paper, and this particular kind of Giclee print, uh, paint will last with its intensity of color for 95 years. Good. And uh, nice. Dan Peterson wow. is the one who educated me on this. He and Deanna Nelson, two of our featured artists, they said it is the going thing around the world and what it is doing for art is it's making it accessible to many people who love fine art but who have never been able to afford buying it mm. before. But now they can. Uh, Dan Peterson said that one of his oils that would sell for 10000 might be available for 500 to $1,500 uh, in a G-Clay print. And so he's offering one of his G-Clay prints called Last Light to us at, for the uh, live auction. And we're very excited to have Dan Peterson, one of our most famous artists in this community,
0: we participating. We hope that this art auction goes over just wonderfully and that it thank attracts you, a lot of thank people you, and does very, very well. We thank you bob and susan paul for being with us tonight the hour went by way too fast thank you thank you and thank you at home for listening wherever that may be for you join us next week major adrian wolf author tour guide in israel my very own will be with us have a great week and may god continue to bless your life as you reach out and love your neighbor as you love yourselves